Indeed, everybody, and welcome to a new podcast, Exploring Antinatalism, um, a new podcast initiated by uh, one of your hosts, uh, Mark J. Maharaj, who put this together, so thank you so much, Mark. Um, there's never really been a, a real antinatalist podcast, and as the meme of antinatalism, anti-procreation, is growing and spreading in the world, um, we, the, some members of the antinatalist community, really thought it was high time that we come together uh, and form a podcast. Um, and we have all kinds of plans moving forward. We have lots of guests line up. Uh, we have lots of discussions um, on the table that um, we think are very important to have. Um, and so I'm really excited about this project. I know that everybody else is. Um, like I said, there's really never been a, a, a formal antinatalist podcast and we thought it was high time. So if I didn't say before, uh, my name is Amanda. I'm also known as Old Fan or Forever Wolf Films on YouTube. Uh, and I'm joined again by Mark J. Maharaj, uh, Carlos, uh, Ten of Spades, and Sturban. So I'm joined by um, some of my uh, friends from the antinatalist community today. And we're going to do some introductions, uh, get to some news stories. And yeah, excited to see how everything moves forward. Okay, so for the first topic of our first podcast, we thought we'd just kind of introduce your hosts so you know a bit more about the people that are going to be with you as this podcast goes, moves forward. And, uh, you know, we thought we would give an opportunity for everybody to speak a little about themselves and their experience with antinatalism and what it means to them. So I guess I'll just start with myself. My name is Carlos. I, uh, I grew up in Portugal. Uh, I've lived in the UK for the past 13 years, and I lived in some other countries as well, sometimes because my parents moved there and I can just kind of dragged along at the times from my own free will. Uh, growing up in Portugal, antinatalism is not really a topic you talk about. Uh, it's a very Catholic country, but it's a Catholic country with surprisingly very low birth rates. So I think there is an underlying skepticism about having children anyway. It, it totally wasn't a completely new concept to me as I grew up to kind of be critical of that. Um, I think my first steps into antinatalism, besides, of course, you know, observing the world uh, and seeing you know, friends become parents and the experience, and of course, being a child and, and having parents myself, uh, was, uh, I guess, reading Schopenhauer when I was a teenager. I was very bored. This was before the internet. I don't know if you can imagine that. Uh, long summer holidays, nothing to do. Going to the library. This book has a funny man in the back cover with a funny haircut, uh, start reading, totally makes sense. Even the jargon wasn't that impenetrable. Then I kind of went through life. Um, having kids never kind of made sense to me as a life proposition, but I never kind of related that to anything bigger than they're not for me, but they might be for somebody else. A few years ago, I was looking for things to read um, and I, I, I had stopped reading fiction for a, for a long time. So I was kind of looking for kind of nonfiction things to read. I think I came across uh, The Conspiracy Against the Human Race, which is sort of a very good primer on antinatalism and pessimist philosophy. And even though it's not a very deep book, it does, it's a book that kind of quotes and references lots of other material. So you can go, kind of go from that book into other uh, exploration. So for, since then, I've read, I would say like the, the canon of antinatalism. And uh, then I met other people online who shared uh, the same views and debated with them and discussed these ideas. And um, so I guess here's, here's where we are. Uh, 10 years ago, I became a vegan. 
as a sort of a funny New Year's resolution. I didn't really know any other vegans at the time. Uh, so it wasn't peer pressure. It just seemed the right thing to do. It kind of aligned with antinatalism in a way. And, um, and I guess that's me. I'm in London and we recently had our first ever London antinatalist meetup, which I hosted. And we'll be discussing that, I guess, in the news section. But yeah, so that's me. Great. Thanks, Carlos. And um, I'm Mark Maharaj. Um, my antinatalist journey started when I was uh, introduced to veganism in 2014. Um, so I grew up in Ottawa and Ontario, Canada. And in, yeah, in 2014, I started to question um, uh, the whole vegan ethics uh, stuff. And through, through after a couple of months and, and I became vegan, I started to ask myself, uh, a common slogan was that we were saving animals. And for me, I didn't actually think we were saving existing animals. I thought we were sparing animals from coming into existence. Once I um, thought about that, I, uh, I thought about it more in terms of why, why don't we apply that to the human species if I'm not going to be speciesist? And uh, that's when I became an antinatalist. And um, I think maybe three months into it, I came across the Ephelis movie, uh, Amanda's movie, and uh, the, the arguments in that movie really helped solidify uh, the philosophy for me. And after that, I, I uh, came out with a... I've always been an organizer of meetups as well. And I started a meetup in Ottawa and the first meetup had about nine people and Trick showed up, Trick Slattery. Um, and that was, uh, that was great. And then we had another one um, and that didn't uh, follow through, but this year we're starting again. And January 28th, we're having another meetup and so far in the Ottawa uh, meetup, we have about 29 members, and so far, at least we have four uh, signed up, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, that's me. James, you want to go next? Um, just as a little bit about myself, um, I uh, was born and raised in England, um, still in England, unfortunately. Uh, I was kind of born into a tenuous family situation, single father. Um, you know, not a lot of money, kind of a welfare kid. Um, so I was kind of disenfranchised with the idea of the family unit at kind of an early age. Um, so pessimism and, and you know, kind of a, a nihilistic philosophy came, came pretty early to, in my teens. It wasn't until about 16, 17 that I'd learned the term antinatalism, antinatalist, uh, and I'd kind of started following the community more. Um, and that's really where I started solidifying my ideas about um, uh, ethics and uh, uh, animal rights, animal welfare, things like that. Um, this is really my first foray into any sort of antinatalism, creating any sort of antinatalism media. Um, and I guess you'd call it antinatalism activism in, in a sense. Um, it's something I kind of uh, hope to take further. I hope to... Um, get the word out, at least in my local community, um, kind of uh, challenge, the, uh, challenge the, the mainstream idea of um, natalism and uh, really get, get more people questioning um, whether or not they should have uh, children. 
uh, both on an, on an ethical basis and given uh, kind of dire ecological circumstances, kind of on a wider material basis. Um, regarding what I do in my spare time to promote this message, uh, it's that's something I hope to work on. Um, and I think that's pretty much me. Amanda, did you want to give your story? Okay, yes. So I'm Amanda Sukunik. Um, I'm uh, also known as Old Fan or Forever Wolf Films on uh, various places of, on the internet. I have been an antinatalist uh, since around 2010, 2011, when I discovered the uh, YouTube videos of In Mendum, um, as well as people like Derived Energy. Um, and during that time, um, the word antinatalism sort of, you know, was already an ex existing word obviously because of David Benatar and other people but there was this huge explosion of activity around the subject on YouTube during those years um so that was a very like that was a very interesting time to kind of uh, learn about antinatalism and sort of since that time you know I grew very inspired by the topic um and I made a movie about uh in Mendham's um version of antinatalism ethylism um called the ethylist um and uh part of that movie went viral so i was on the show tosh.0 talking about antinatalism and um since that time i've just been doing all kinds of various projects around the subject um i combine the subject a lot with art um that's sort of my mode often of uh, antinatalist activism uh per se um i am uh, involved, well, I'm, I'm uh, a moderator of the antinatalism subreddit, um, various Facebook groups to do with both antinatalism and ethylism, the ethylism subreddit as well. Um, I am the current owner of Rogue Philosophy Antinatalism Discord. Um, antinatalism is a big part of my life, and um, I love doing projects around it whether they be creative um, or more of an archiving nature. Um, I have a huge uh, collection of antinatalist uh, videos saved from the last 10 years of, um, of antinatalist thought um, being produced on the internet. And um, yeah, I try to get involved with whatever I can. Um, and I'm planning a, an event, um, hopefully this summer in Chicago around the subject of antinatalism. That's fine. I think we're waiting to hear from Sturban, right? Um, yes, I go by Sturban online because um, my real name is pretty much too hard to pronounce. But yeah, I'm 28 years old. I'm in Oklahoma. And I got around knowing antinatalism in about 2015-ish. And it stuck with me because I was going through a lot of changes in my life during that time um, because I started to change my name and like I was going through like gender identity and other stuff like that. So, um, and I was going through family issues and I was just thinking about how antinatalism was affecting my um, relationships with my family with that since I was the only one who was sinking deep, deeply at that time. So um, as I was beginning to think more about that, I wasn't involved with any other communities at that time. So I was just beginning around then, but around 2018, I started to try and define more communities around antinatalism because I wanted to get more involved with it. 
So um, I actually found um, Mark through his like interview. So I guess that was like around 2018. <laughs> and I started like, um, I guess I just started from there. So yeah, that's really my short story. Well, thanks, Durbin. Mm -hmm. Would anybody, does anybody have any questions for anybody? I, I think it would be good to gauge if uh, everyone in here is an F-list as well as an antinatalist or just um, just antinatalist, not necessarily an F-list. I'm an F-list. From my understanding of F-list, it's antinatalism applied to all species. So if that's the definition we're working with, I'm, I'm an F-list. How about the rest of you? Yeah, I, I'd say I'm also uh, an F-list. Yes. Yeah, I am, but I haven't spent enough time thinking about it to be 100% committed to it. If somebody asks me, I'll say yes. I'm more on the side of yes. I still haven't thought enough about it, but that's, that's just how I work. It's more than fair. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and personally, there's a lot of talk about, um, about uh, the red button thought experiment, and I'm on the fence about that topic. Um, I'm leaning towards more of a philanthropic antinatalism. Um, how about the rest of you? Are you, uh, I mean, you could technically be both, but where do you align? Well, I am both. I, I mean, I think the, the, what the, what the um, red button thought experiment does is like, wouldn't it be great if it was just easy, if you could just turn it off? And I think that's the biggest you know, take away from the red button that I think is important because the philanthropic um, approach, which I, I'm very much for, is that like, yeah, what we really need to be doing is finding what um, uh, ethical methods towards extinction. We need to figure out what ethical extinction looks like. Um, you know, extinction where the least amount of harm leads, you know, can, can be achieved. Can, where extinction can be achieved. Um, but I mean, I think what the red button thought experiment does is basically ask the question, I mean, would, wouldn't it be great if it could just be easy? I mean, if it could just get turned off and should it get turned off? Um, and so I think that's mainly the value of it. That's yeah, that's, part that, of the value that's, of it. that's definitely been talked about in terms of uh, like negative utilitarianism and the reductio in terms of that philosophy. Um, when it comes to a type of uh, like framework for ethics, do people uh, prescribe to say negative utilitarianism or a different type of ethic? Yeah, I would say I, I definitely agree with negative utilitarianism, but I have some reservations about self-determination and, um, and the will of, and freedom of people to make their own choices. There's, uh, I mean, obviously, as an antinatalist, I, I, I think, you know, giving birth and conceiving is uh, a breach of somebody's rights, you know, the unborn. Um, and, and certainly when they're conceived and born, then their rights have already been breached. So, so I'm against that, obviously. And, but with negative utilitarianism, a lot of the conversation I see is a step too far for me in terms of actually implementing those things, it will, you know, uh, short of a total authoritarian state, a lot of those things would be impossible. So I do in principle agree with negative utilitarianism and 
and say with ethilism taken to its ultimate conclusion, but I do have reservations about um, a small group of people making decisions for the vast majority of people. So yeah. that's where I stand. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, there's no question that the that in the red button thought experiment, you would be violating consent and you would be violating um, the social contract. And I, I mean, I think that is the big that that is the biggest issue with the with the red button thought experiment. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that to just end it might be worth the um, that ethical gray area. But again, that's a that's a that's a wider conversation. I don't know that we're going to have today. But um, yes, I, 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 what I think really needs to happen is that it needs to be uh, that ethicists are essentially pleading with the rest of the human race to try to come up with uh, ways in which extinction could be achieved ethically. And I think that's the biggest goal um, as, as opposed to some easy uh, you know, uh, way of, of, of uh, escaping. James and Sturban, what do you think? I've heard the term graceful exit, and that's kind of a, a nice encapsulation of the idea, which I prefer. Um, initially, uh, I was against uh, kind of applying antinatalism to other species just on the basis that um, since time immemorial, humans have been violating the self-determinism of animals around them, um, even more so today with industrial agriculture and things like that. Um, it, it seemed to me kind of hypocritical and, and even further perpetuating uh, the inequity um, to just to just assume that we have we have um, an entitlement to to deny self-determination to other animals especially um, but at the end of the day I can't I, I, I wouldn't call it ethical to uh, let them suffer in perpetuity uh, just endless perpetuity um, so I would say I'm, I'm a pretty strong uh, negative utilitarian and a pretty strong effortless on that basis I mean, I'd rather be like pretty compassionate towards most things, but um, I'm I'm pretty like red pill when it comes to like a lot of things as well. So I mean, I think I'm on the fence. So I don't know. I'm kind of undecisive. I had a couple of other questions for people. Um, in your own personal life, uh, in terms of coming out as anti-natalist. Um, are you, do your friends know, do your family know? How do you interact with people in your personal life? So I'm, I'm married. I think on the, the host we have today, I think I might be the only one who's married, right? Um, my wife is not an anti-natalist, but she, I guess, agrees with, let's, let's call it child-free movement, which is kind of runs parallel with antinatalism with some similarities, but some glaring differences. So I've come out as much as I can come out to her on anything. She knows kind of all, everything about me. Um, and, you know, she's okay with it. It just means we don't have babies. That's, that's as far as it goes with her and what she's concerned with. Uh, with the rest of my family, uh, no, not really. I mean, I guess I could, I could talk about it with my parents, but it's only going to create grief and, you know, it's not like I should just go back and say, hey, I didn't ask for this. I, I really rather you, I hadn't been given this gift, but that's not going to fix anything, right? That's not going to help either me or, or them go along with their life. So I definitely have not come out. In my, the other parts of my life at work, no, absolutely not. 
Uh, I'm in a team uh, that has lots of moms, some of them recent moms. I cannot imagine a scenario where people wouldn't just hate me <laughs> and that would really impact my work life. But, you know, I guess I could do it. I don't think I'm going to convince anybody either. So I'll, I'll have conversations with uh, other people that have, let's say, no power over my income or like that. So friends, yeah, I'll definitely talk. I definitely, I've talked about it before as well. And certainly I'm creating like, a, you know, the fact I'm using my real name here and I have a, a Twitter with my real name where I talk about antinatalism, then yeah, I guess I'm comfortable talking about it, just not with my parents specifically and people at work. I don't think I could hide it at this point if I wanted to. So, I mean, my, my, uh, my, my family knows, I mean, my mother came to the premiere of the Ethelist. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, uh, if you Google my name, you're going to get all kinds of antinatalist stuff. There's no, there's no way of disconnecting it. Most of the friends, well, no, I mean, I'll, most, yeah, all of my friends know that I'm an antinatalist. Um, a, a ton of the friends that I have, I met at graduate school where Ethelism and antinatalism were my thesis project. So um, they're very well aware <laughs> of, of uh, what I'm interested in and, and all about the philosophy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'll tell anybody that I'm an antinatalist and Ethelist. Um, and I've had all kinds of responses uh, f from that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but I mean, and, and the, vast majority of them is, I mean, if they're, you know, people maybe don't like it, but they at least think that it's interesting. Um, I certainly don't shove it down anybody's throat. Um, there are situations where I wouldn't bring it up. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I did not tell my 92 year old grandmother that I was an antinatalist because I didn't, didn't think she was at a point where she could understand what that would be. But, um, uh, you know, uh, I, my, work I do is mainly freelance and people are very well aware. Um, but if I was in a certain types of employment, I don't think I would bring it up. I don't think work is really the best um, place to, you know, discuss your personal interests and whatnot or philosophy in most cases. Um, but yeah, I, I, I am somebody that does encourage um, being open about your antinatalist beliefs. If, um, you, you want, it's something, that's something that you want to do. And if indeed it is safe for you to, I do, I, you know, I, I do think there are people that are in situations where it's probably not the best idea. Um, but I, I sort of hope that, um, you know, people will take their antinatalism as, you know, a piece of their lives that they, uh, make for themselves, so to speak. Um, you know, if we are all imposed on to be here. Um, and I think that, um, again, if it's something that you wish to do, um, it, it should be something that in your life you um, put some insistence on, you know, um, because, you know, perhaps your words may uh, have some influence on preventing somebody else very much like you um, from existing again. So yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very for people being open about it. But I also understand when people can't be. Uh, I, uh, from a personal standpoint, um, it's not something I generally uh, discuss too often. Um, a few of my close friends know uh, my stance on antinatalism and uh, probably one or two of my closest friends um, 
agree with me on the proposition of antinatalism. Um, I have had, I have made arguably the mistake of bringing uh, antinatalism up casually in a, to a, a work colleague. And uh, <laughs> that didn't go too well. Uh, obviously your mileage may vary, um, but things like street epistemology um, is something I, I do hope to uh, look into more. And it's something I, I do hope to start discussing on a more frequent basis. Uh, especially um, in a more logical, foretell way to to address and uh, dispute the common reactions that people might have to the idea. Um, I have not told my family for the simple fact they're not uh, open-minded about a lot of things. Um, my friends, however, they do know about it and they're very much open-minded about that and plenty other topics so we do discuss that a lot and um they do agree with antinatalism and they for the most part about 85 percent of them are vegan so i do relay a lot of my side projects such as this with them um and it's very um, enlightening that I can talk to them about it. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy that um, I do have at least friends that I can share this information with. As far as work goes, um, I, I don't discuss it at all because it's kind of like I don't know whether they would be like willing to accept it or not. So it's just that I wouldn't bring it up to them and not as in as far as college goes I probably wouldn't bring it up there either. So I started off talking about it with my friends as a type of thought experiment and just asking them questions of what they thought about the philosophy and just coming in with it in in a more um, inquisitive fashion really opened up uh, the conversation in my social circle. Um, pretty much everybody's been very receptive to having the conversation. I think they think it's a, uh, a weird philosophy and they want to explore it some more. I've actually got more heat uh, and actually lost a few friends uh, because of my veganism. So I had more judgment through veganism than my antinatalism. Um, now I've, I've talked to my friends and family and when I did the interview for the Daily Mail, I did uh, confirm with uh, my supervisors if this was okay, and they said it was fine. Um, and I, even though I, my friends, family, and work know, I still was very nervous. And the more out there I am, the more comfortable I'm starting to become with it. And um, seeing people's uh, YouTube videos where they actually uh, show their face was really helpful. So I was exposed to Amanda and Dana Wells, the friendly antinatalist and ethicological and seeing them like really helped uh, and, and even Gary. And it was, I felt like, okay, I, I, I can put myself out there as well. And now that I have put myself out there, I feel uh, a little bit more content because I don't feel like I'm, um, hiding uh, something that I, I do believe in and um, really happy that my friends are receptive to the information and 
um, in December was my birthday. And at my birthday, people were asking me about the podcast, even though they don't even, a lot of them don't agree with this. Uh, but they're excited for uh, to hear about everybody's views and the philosophy some more. So it's been a, it's been mostly a positive experience for me. And I'm very grateful for that. That's great. Great. Uh, yep. So uh, there was, um, so going through the community event side of it, there was a meetup uh, Monday 13th of this month in uh, Toronto, Ontario. Um, it was with the Toronto existentialists. I don't know if you're involved in that, Mark. I'm not. No, I'm in Ottawa. Okay. Um, that was on meetup.com. Uh, events 267-300-435. Um, in case anyone's in the local area would like to get into contact with those, uh, the organizers. There was a meetup in the City of London, um, Wednesday 15th for this month, so last Wednesday. Um, and that was... Uh, I believe that had a pretty good turnout. Um, uh, Danny Shine and Carlos had been the organizers. Carlos, if you'd like to give us more information on that, how'd it go? Yeah, so we organized it uh, through meetup.com using, uh, uh, thankfully, some of the funding we put together for the podcast and the community. Uh, I, I had no idea what was going to happen, who was going to show up, but very quickly, in about, say, three weeks of having the meetup group set up, we had uh, just over 30 people signing up and then for the first meetup uh, I set it for like a Wednesday evening because Wednesday didn't seem to be a very popular time for other meetups so I didn't want to conflict with uh, other dates on the meetup calendar and we had uh, 12 people show up which I thought was really impressive for a first ever meetup I mean it was complete unknown quantity right so even I as an organizer wasn't sure what was going to happen out of those 12, two were there, uh, I guess, for the wrong reasons. <laughs> One of them was there because she was just a fan of Danny Shine's videos. Uh, and she thought it was just going to be like a prank, another prank video like he usually does, but it wasn't. So she was kind of disappointed. And as soon as she heard the words antinatalist and atheist, she kind of made her excuses and left. And there was another gentleman that... Um, had some interesting views on uh, aliens, ley lines, and other um, very alternate views of the world. Uh, but I kind of tried to steer him back into the conversation by asking him to remain on topic, being the topic being antinatalism before we got dragged into lizard people and Atlantis and the configurations of slaughterhouses and the houses of parliament. But anyway, uh, he left after a while, too, because I don't think we were his crowd. So there remained 10 people who were, uh, I was quite surprised, everybody was kind of clued up in antinatalism from one source or another. Uh, they certainly knew kind of the jargon, I guess, you know, um, around antinatalism. I prepared like a little um, sheet on introduction to antinatalism with some channels on YouTube that recommend some books for people to take away. Um, I think that's helpful because, you know, you always kind of can bring a new uh, perspective to people. And now we've started a WhatsApp group uh, with people from that meetup so we can kind of uh, exchange news with each other. I'll definitely set up another meetup for next month. I think once a month seems good. There are already a few projects brewing up among members. So Danny, his, um, he's got his own brand on YouTube. And obviously Danny... Um, He's got some plans, things he wants to do on YouTube with antinatalism. 
and kind of on the street as usually does and he's kind of recruiting people from among the group to kind of help him out and do things so there there might be some very um so a lot of antinatalist content is people talking to a microphone in the comfort of their, their own home danny obviously doesn't follow that prescription so i think there'll be quite a lot of things along those lines coming up in the next couple of months uh, from him with the help kind of from the group as well um, but overall, yeah, I had a great time. I mean, it's very rare for me to talk about this subject in public anyway, let alone with people who actually know what I'm talking about. So it was great. I'll do more um, one in next month and maybe start trying to get a feel from the people who show up what they want to do with the group. If it's like an activism group or it's just people getting together, having a beer and talking about it. And uh, I'll kind of let the group decide and see where it's going. So that's what happened. Great. Um, and on to the last meetup, uh, Ottawa Child Free and Antinatalists. That's Tuesday, January 28th. And that is being organized by Mark. Mark, if you could give us uh, some more details on that. Yeah, so it'll be at the Royal Oak at Bank in Gloucester. And um, I reached out to a child free group in Ottawa, and some members will be showing up from there as well. And the plan is just show up and have a bit of a social and a few drinks and get to know everybody. And so far, it uh, looks like a couple of people that are into the child-free movement and into the environmental movement are coming. So I'm really looking forward to meeting uh, some new people and uh, figuring out what we're going to do with the group. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, in-person meetups and seeing people face to face and developing community. So I'm really excited about this. Right. Um, is there any comments, uh, any uh, other meetups in the works? I am trying to get a meetup um, of some kind or another um, planned for this summer, uh, probably between July, I think it's July 20th to July 30th, somewhere in between there. I'd like to do some sort of like event. Um, I'm thinking of, if possible, it's all a matter of what I'm going to be able to pull together, but I'd like to like rent some sort of little space. And, um, you know, I have a, I've, a, my best friend actually wrote an antinatalism play. I'm hoping that maybe I can get a reading of that play for the event. Um, maybe have some guests, um, you know, come speak to a crowd through Skype and whatnot. Um, I got a lot of goodies planned. I just don't know exactly how, um, the chips are going to fall. Um, but I definitely want to get, um, you know, events, uh, lectures, that kind of thing started in Chicago, um, in the near future. Um, I, I should probably do some building up to that before July, um, you know, with small meetups, like just getting a drink or something with people. Um, so I'll probably do some of that in the near future too. Um, but yeah, I definitely, definitely want to move, um, you know, more towards offline, um, act, antinatalist activism, as well as the online stuff, not in an attempt to abandon the online activism. But, uh, but I do think that the face-to-face -face, um, antinatalism is very important. And speaking of the online stuff, the monthly hangouts are still going on. Uh, we've stopped recording them because we're going to have the podcast now. The next meetup will be on February the 8th at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If anybody would like to join, 
just send me a, a message on social media. On Twitter, I'm Green Rebel 10, and on Facebook, Mark Maharaj, Mark J. Maharaj. And you could also find me on the Discord server, Rogue Philosophy. Brilliant. If there are no further comments, um, I'd like to go on to a few news articles from around December 2019 to uh, January of this year. Um, just generally around fertility rates uh, and comments tangentially uh, relating to antinatalism. Um, the first news story is from ABC News, uh, and it says, US fertility rates fall to record low. Um, quote, the total fertility rate in the US, the number of births that a woman is expected to have over her lifetime, is at 1.73, an all-time low, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This rate is well below the 2.10 birth rates per woman needed for a generation to replace itself, according to the CDC. And further to that, it, it, however, it is important to note that um, the article goes on to say that the women uh, are still going to have children. It's just that the time that people would generally reproduce is um, kind of been pushed back, so they'll be having children later in life. Um, and it also states that re research shows that there has been no change in the number of children women say they intend to have. Um, so effectively, we could most likely point to material causes, um, people not having as much disposable income or uh, financial security, um, both partners having to work full-time jobs, things like that. Secondly, uh, there is... Sorry, sorry James. Sorry, sorry to, to butt in, but th there's a quote from that article that I found really interesting. Um, when uh, the, person, the representative from the CDC uh, says that um, as those shifts continue, we're going to start seeing the fertility rate hopefully rebound and correct itself, which is a very uh, prescriptive uh, normative statement to say, as if there was like a, a normal fertility rate, as if there was like uh, the sheer concept of having a, a regular fertility rate that would apply to American women. Uh, it just seems like a, such uh, something we can perhaps explore later on. Um, you know, why why is there this this idea in this case from CDC from from you know uh, in this case a PhD assistant professor of population, family, and reproductive health to assume that there's such a thing as a as a as a correct fertility rate? It, it's, a, it's something interesting to explore further. I think. What do you think? Uh, yes, definitely. Um... And I think the, uh, as you say, the, the fact that replacement rate, um, replacing the, pop the, the population, I believe the population of America is 370 million, probably a, a questionable assumption. Um, and the fact that uh, as antinatalists, we may say, okay, uh, birth rates are low across the board, um, but that's only one year out of, that, that number will, is expected to uptick again back to replacement rates or, or near enough as people uh, begin to have children uh, older in their life or later in life. If there are no further comments, um, the second news story, uh, this is from BBC and also Financial Times. Hungary says it will offer free fertility treatments to counter population decline. Hungary's national right-wing prime minister, Viktor Orban, said during an international news conference Thursday that IVF treatments will be provided for free starting February 1st. The government recently purchased a, uh, six private fertility clinics and Orban said that the fertility sector is of, quote, national strategic importance. Um, he uh, later went on to say, if we want Hungarian children instead of immigrants, and if the Hungarian economy can generate the necessary funding, then the only solution is to spend as much of the funds as possible on supporting families and raising children. 
Um, personally, I find that quote um, disturbing on, on two, two fronts other than antinatalism. Uh, the uh, uh, Hungarian babies instead of immigrant babies, I, I find personally kind of uh, revolting, but uh, I, I, I can't say, I, I believe uh, this isn't a new precedent for far right, especially conservative um, governments to have this strong um, family quote approach. Um, yeah, they're usually not, not this open about it, but uh, <laughs> I think there's an underlying sentiment along these lines that, uh, you know, fertility rates um, matter when it's our people and uh, matters in we have to increase our people and decrease other people, right? So I, I don't think this is anything new and uh, it kind of aligns a lot with um, natalist propaganda, even, even from people who would, I wouldn't say are openly right wing, but often there's such a preference for having our genes in the next generation rather than the genes of other people, as in, you know, have, a, have our own biological babies instead of adopting. And I, I think there's, there's something there, definitely, in the correlation. It's just that people usually don't express it as openly as, as Viktor Orban from Hungary. Yeah, kind of an, uh, uh, an uncomfortable case of kind of overt tribalism uh, displayed there. Um, Secondly, uh, Japan's birth rate hits another record low in 2019. Um, probably not anything surprising. Uh, less and less people in Japan are having children and it's an aging population. Um, I'm not entirely aware of Japan's current plan to try to combat that. I I'm sure they will. Uh, whether it be uh, influx of uh, economic migrants or, or some sort of government fertility program as Victor Orban has proposed. Um, I guess that remains to be seen, but this has been going on for years now, and I don't, I don't see an end in sight. Um, which is most likely from an antinatalism perspective, probably a positive. Um, kind of further to that, uh, another news story: alarming low birth rate shut down schools in Greece. Um, Secretary General of the Federation of Secondary School Teachers of Greece (OLME) told Ethnos that the demographic problem is now at our doorstep. "Quote unquote." Um, he further, and he goes on to say, thousands of young people are moving abroad, as in Greece, they can no longer work and create a family. The government must support motherhood, not only with benefits, but also with other incentives, such as kindergartens, at support for new parents, etc. Um, kind of uh, echoing, not in, not in the probably perhaps the most nationalistic terms, but echoing what Victor Orban is, is proposing with a gov uh, push towards government fertility treatments and uh, funding for new families. Um, it's also interesting that they would uh, outline the, the uh, declining economic uh, state of Greece in, in recent years as uh, contributing to people moving out of Greece, migrating away. Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, countries in Southern Europe have this issue of these, uh, you know, schools closing and a lot of things which were built for, I would say, high birth rate countries, kind of these facilities then don't make any sense. And uh, economics is definitely a part of it, but there's also uh, women's emancipation in those countries. Uh, countries like, for example, Greece, uh, Portugal, Spain, and so on. They had, you know, extremely low um, li literacy rates for, for women throughout the 20th century and education opportunities. And as soon as those women uh, started, you know, being allowed, say, to have their own bank accounts and to have a career and just have more roles in society rather than just be a mother, uh, then they uh, opted out of 
having babies or delayed having babies to extremely late in their lives, which meant they had just one instead of five or six. And this, these societies were built for women who have uh, three, four, five babies. And now there's too, there are too many schools. <laughs> there's just too many, too many things for children, which are not, I guess, not needed anymore. And, but which cause also kind of great issues with, um, you know, taxes and, and how you support a pension system that relies on more people being born every year than you had before. Yeah, over back to you, James. Uh, definitely. Um, as you say, I think there's a, a strong correlation between as people uh, as people and governments become more secular um, and as uh, kind of aggressive uh, policies and views on, on uh, male and female gender roles kind of increase, or sorry, de- uh, decrease, um, then we see birth rates uh, go down as people prefer to pursue careers, uh, pursue some sort of financial independence. Um, and I, I think it's interesting as, as we see kind of the, the scales of that begin to shift with, for example, the rise in uh, far-right nationalism um, to see what exactly is going to happen. Um, I can't say I'm too optimistic uh, that these, the, the, uh, that trend, um, the population rate will continue to decrease, but uh, who's to say? Um, so the final news story, um, this is from The Telegraph. Uh, one pound pill could stop women from suffering miscarriage study fines. The new study used a diabetes drug called cytogliptin to prevent, uh, to attempt to inhibit an enzyme which affects circulation of stem cells in the womb. Uh, in the trial, 38 women aged 18 to 42 who had experienced a large number of recurrent miscarriages, five on average, were given either a course of cytogliptin or a placebo for the free menstrual cycles. Um, those, given their, uh, those given the drugs saw their stem cell count increase by an average of 68% with a 50% decrease in the number of, quote, stressed cells present, present in the lining of the womb. Scientists now hope to carry out clinical trials to see if uh, this cuts miscarriage rates. I believe uh, that the article pretty much speaks for itself. Um, I don't have anything further to comment, and that should conclude the news section. With regards to a, a more community-focused, uh, uh, we, uh, I guess, one of the biggest uh, videos on antenatalism that I could find is Matt Dillahunty's video, quote, answering antinatalism, um, in which he goes to, uh, goes in length, attempting to critique uh, David Benatar's uh, asymmetry argument. Um, I know Blinos had a, a very good uh, response video to that, which I felt was pretty in-depth and pretty concise. Um, and recently, Life Sucks had also released a video talking to college students about antinatalism where he essentially engaged uh, engineering students on a discussion about ethics, negative utilitarianism, uh, antinatalism, and ethilism, which I thought was very illuminating. Um, and I believe that's concluded it. Also, um, Alex O'Connor from Cosmic Skeptic just had a conversation with Humane Hancock on antinatalism, and that's been uh, getting a lot of views. So that's also out there. Okay, everybody, this concludes episode one of Exploring Antinatalism. I'd like to thank everybody that joined us today for our first inaugural episode. Uh, thank you so much to everybody that shared news stories, shared their stories of their um, how they became antinatalists today. Um, I'd like to make a special thank you to Curb Your Optimism, Kirby, um, who with, without whom this project would not have been possible. Um, she did uh, accomplish the amazing feat of setting up a GoFundMe um, 
uh, fundraiser for the uh, podcast, as well as some of these uh, meetups that are happening around the world. And she successfully managed to raise uh, the full amount to make this podcast happen today. So again, without you, Kirby, we could not have done this. Thank you so much for uh, all of your efforts in getting this up and running. If you'd like to follow Curb Your Optimism, you can follow her on YouTube at uh, Curb Your Optimism on YouTube. Uh, she is also on Twitter. Uh, uh, you can reach her at uh, Call Me Kirby. Uh, on Twitter. Um, if you'd like to follow news in regards to this podcast, please join us on the Exploring AN Twitter. Um, and we'd also like to send a very special thank you to Life Sucks, um, who also has a YouTube channel and is a remarkable artist and provided the artwork for this podcast. So thank you so much, Life Sucks. Um, yes, yeah, so thank you to everybody uh, for being with us today. Uh, we're very excited for episode two. Uh, we will not reveal uh, just yet uh, what we have in store, but uh, some exciting things. And uh, yeah, so we look forward to speaking with everybody again. You know, each episode will be different. We'll have new people on, different guests, different hosts. Um, yeah, so please join us again next time. Thank you so much, everybody, again. All the best and bye for now. Take care, everybody.